0: Episode because we're going to be reflecting on Leon's 1L. For those of you who don't know, 1L is your first year of law school. So, Leon, did you want to start us off with like giving us a brief overview of how you think it went?
1: I think overall it went pretty well. Like, I was happy with the results. I think it's interesting too because I broke my notes down into fall and spring semester and I wrote my fall semester notes. I think at the fall semester because I wanted it to be like fresh and not be, you know, like the, I guess like the, whatever the school version of rose colored glasses is. Like I didn't want that to happen. Um. So it is quite interesting looking at these now because I'm just like, yeah, you know, it went fine. Like it was hard and you know, whatever. But it- I feel like looking at these, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. There are some moments where you're like, this isn't great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like that's so funny because I feel like a lot of the times when we reflect back on things, especially if they were like a while ago, right? Because like fall semester is definitely a little bit further than uh, spring semester, right? I feel like a lot of the times we look back at it and we say, oh, like it was hard, but it was so fun. It was such a good time. And I feel like. It was probably a good idea to write those notes down immediately after uh, fall semester because I think there definitely might have been a little bit of that like rose-colored glasses where you think, oh, it wasn't as bad as spring semester though.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know any of this because I've never had a baby, but I feel like I equate it to, you know, how when they tell say that like people who have babies don't remember how bad it is because like all the hormones make you forget it and it does it on purpose because then otherwise you would never have a baby again. I feel like that's kind of what like school is like where I'm like now I'm like it wasn't that bad like you can do it yeah it was hard but you can do it and I feel like part of it is so I can go back and finish the next two years
0: that's pretty funny I think that's a very good analogy um I will definitely be using that in my everyday life so thank you for that one
1: you're welcome
0: (laughs) yeah where you want to start I think let's start in the fall let's
1: go like chronologically Okay, chronologically, one thing I think is funny about the fall is they, and I don't know who they is, they is probably the people who ran orientation or something like that. I remember they would say, like, yeah, you know, your professors know you're new at this, so like they'll go slow for like the first month and then, you know, things will start to pick up. But then when you're doing the first month, you're like, this isn't slow. This is taking me forever. Like, what are they talking about? And then I just remembered sometime in like November, I was like, man, what I would do to get that August workload back. I didn't realize what I had.
0: I feel like, though, as you get more accustomed to it, they're like, all right, now we can put more work Mm -hmm. into the mix because now they know how to do it. So it's not a matter of learning how to do it. It's a matter of doing the work. But that is definitely a lot of work to be doing. From what you have told me, it sounds like it was quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny, too, is like because they kind of increase you never quite feel like you got the hang of it. Cause I feel like every time they sense like, okay, they're starting to get it. They'll be like, let's increase this. But then when you hit the end of the semester and you look back and you're like, yeah, that August really wasn't that bad. But it was bad then cause you didn't know how to do anything and it took you forever.
0: See, that reminds me of AP calculus way back in the day. Because I feel like when I was in like AP calculus, I would always be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then we would move on to the next unit. And I'd be like, oh, so that was how you did that thing.
1: Well, now I know how to do that, but we're already past that. So I guess we're just going to keep going. That was me in regular calculus. It would literally be like the entire unit. I had no idea what was going on. And then the teacher would switch and then I'd be like, oh, okay, I get it now. But then it's like, it literally didn't matter because we weren't doing it anymore. Yes,
0: I agree. It sounds like quite a time, though. I'm sorry that it was like that for you because that sounds awful. Good, but awful.
1: I mean, it's, it's interesting too because we it's kind of weird because historically law schools didn't do this and we didn't have any spring semester, but we did have a couple of midterms fall semester. And the whole idea with that is to give first semester students an idea of how they're doing because the way that law school goes, at least for your first year classes, other than your writing class, you literally just have an exam at the end. There's essentially no homework besides do your readings. And so I think they were trying to, law schools were trying to say, how can we give these students some sort of measure of like, am I doing something right or do I need to readjust? So after midterms, I felt like I was going to do, I was doing okay. And then it was like the thing where finals hit and you're just like, I know nothing. So much information. Yeah, definitely.
0: So you said historically they didn't do that. Historically, would it be like you just have the final exam and that's it? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that's how it was spring semester for us. It just depends on the if the
0: professor feels like giving you one. I feel like that would be so hard to gauge how you're doing then. I mean, I guess you could like maybe kind of tell based on in-class discussions, but that's coming from an outsider's point of view. Like, I don't know how often you have in-class discussions. Okay, is it really like how they have it in Elle Woods, Legally Blonde, where it's like they randomly select someone and they're like, you talk about this case study. Give me your opinions.
1: Essentially, yeah. A lot of professors do modified cold calls now. So a lot of times you will have a heads up. Like, it depends. Some of them are, they do it completely randomly. And so it's just like a process of elimination where, oh, like a lot of people got called and I didn't yet. I'm coming up soon. Or some people went through a list so you could kind of tell when you were going to go. And it depends on the professor, too. Like, some of them will just grill you, and then some of them will be, like, after, like, they get this. I feel like after the sense that they get that you read, you may just have no idea what's going on. They'll move on to someone else. So it really depends.
0: So are you able to, like, gauge how you're doing based off of your responses versus other people's responses? Or is it, like, they could be totally right and I could be totally wrong, but I am not entirely sure what it's like? Like, how was that process, I guess, of answering those cold call questions and feeding off of each other's information in class?
1: I personally think you can't really tell. I don't think they're relevant. Also, they're not graded and all of our exams are graded anonymously. So we have exam numbers. So it's not even like a professor. I don't know. Maybe they could if they're super smart or something. I don't know. But it's not like a professor can say even subconsciously like, oh, this person answers their cold calls really well, like they're going to get a good answer on this essay.
0: I do wonder if they could uh, kind of tell who answered what, though, based on how you answer it in class versus in writing form. I feel like to some extent, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that some of them have some multiple choice, but they are primarily essay exams. And especially second semester, they were all closed book. And I think with the volume of stuff we learned in combination with the fact that they're grading about 90 of these i i'm not sure they also like tell us before the exams like you can't write anything that would identify yourself that makes sense so like you can't say like in class when i answered about xyz yeah
0: yeah you know what
1: i mean so i think they try i don't know if it's a perfect system because i'm not on the administrative end but they try
0: i would think that it helps too and i think that that's a big step towards like equity in the law school field because then it's, you know, much more difficult to discriminate against someone. So I feel like that's a step in the right direction. I wonder if they'll ever adopt that at other levels, like bachelor's levels or like even like high school. I feel like that would kind of maybe be a little bit helpful.
1: I don't hate it. I think it's it's definitely more helpful if there's an essay portion, like if it's just multiple choice exam, like. It doesn't matter. It's like you'll get what you'll get. <laughs> Yeah. If the answer is A, you answer D. Like, There's not much you can do about it. But I think it's primarily to protect the essay portions. But yeah, I think that was definitely one of the differences too, is just the anonymous grading. Also, the fact that there's one test. I don't know what your high school teachers told you about college, but I feel like what they told you about college is kind of more like what law school is like, where they're like, they're not going to do X, Y, and Z. And like, I got to undergrad and they didn't all of those things like for example I remember there being like they're never gonna like I don't know review or give you a study guide or like I was like even some of my law school professors ran a like a review session before the final so I just think it's kind of funny
0: that's because technically that's good practice in teaching is to run a review and it also kind of lets you know like you know what's gonna be on the test so it's good practice to run a review but that being said I understand that like sometimes if you have to cover a lot of content, maybe you don't do it as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, ours, they wouldn't, at least from what I've seen from other people asking, if someone would just straight up be like, is this going to be on the exam? And the professor's response is essentially some version of, well, did I cover it? Or did I spend a lot of time with it? And then they also say it's like, anything you've covered is fair game, whether we review this in the review session or not. Yeah. And I think also it's too is like, I don't know, maybe for any sort of review session, but I think especially like in law school where it's like, if they give away what topics, because we learn so much stuff in this semester, There's only can only be so much on the exam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I feel like you also don't want to give like too much away.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I think that if you gave away like everything that was on the exam, it would just take too long to review.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, fall is wild. I don't think I remember all of it, but... <laughs>
0: So overall, would you have any like reflections or tips that you'd like to share from what you learned in the
1: fall? So I think my biggest one from the fall is literally when you take that exam, do not talk to anybody and leave the building as soon as possible because you're going to hear people talking about the exams and it's going to psych you out and then you're going to go home and emotionally order Indian food, you know, just as an example, just (laughs) hypothetically. And then you're going to end up having that final be, like, your second best final.
0: Oh, of course. I feel like, too, this kind of relates back to what you said earlier about, like, people are answering these questions in class and you're not always sure whether they're right or they're wrong. And I feel like, you know, if you hear all these different opinions and you're like, well, that's not what I put down, I could see where that would definitely psych you out. But like you said, you don't know whether they're right or they're wrong. Like, it's kind of an open to discussion sort of thing.
1: Exactly, because there's legal issues and The point of the essay is they kind of give you like a story and you have to pick out the legal issues, but they're not going to give you the obvious one where it's like this law clearly applies in this way because that would be boring for them to grade because everyone would be like, oh, that's so obvious. I know what to write. Yeah. And additionally, it's graded on a curve. So like your answer could be terrible, but as long as it's better than other people's answers, then it may not be as bad for you in terms of the grading. So that's why the curve's kind of wild because you really can't tell because you could have like... So this is all hypothetical, but it's like essentially you could write objectively like a B or CSA and end up with an A or a B. Just as long as you did better than other people. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. You know, this is kind of off topic, but not totally off topic. So one of the things that I was um, talking to my uncle's girlfriend about the other day is she was talking about like the education system in Canada because that's where she spent some time growing up and she was like yeah the Canadians think that the American grading system is so weird she was like curves we don't do that in Canada (laughs) and she was like letter grades we don't do that you just get a percentage that's it and I was
1: like oh okay well, I think the curve can help you if it's a very hard class. But the problem with the curve is that if it's a class that everyone's doing well in, then you have to do even better to get a good grade in. That's true. And it's like you could be like
0: one percentage point different and it could be the difference between like an entire letter grade.
1: Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem is that they, they have it. So like I'm just pulling random numbers because I don't know how the breakdown works. But for example, let's say they're only allowed to give five A's. But then the class really has 10 As. Some of those people are going to end up in the B range just on the curve, the way the curve works. Yeah, I
0: feel like that would be really rough. Could you imagine like finding out that you were one of those people who was like, I would have gotten an A, but then there was a curve and then I got a B? I would be mad.
1: I mean, I think from what they told us, they had some info session about the curve and stuff. It's like the majority of the time you're going to end up where you were going to end up anyway. But then it's like, you never know. So, yeah, that's one of the things you just kind of you just got to live with the first. You're like, OK, there's a curve. Can't really do anything about it because it exists. But I kind of like just getting a percentage. But that might be hard for like law school, but like at least for like K-12 undergrad. Yeah, I feel like ultimately, though, that curve is
0: probably helpful to you because it's like it could be that the content is so difficult that it's so hard to get like an A that putting it on a curve will actually help more people. You know what I mean?
1: And I think, I'm not sure, but I think part of it too is that there's four, I think there are four sections for the first year. So I think the idea too is to help standardize grades between the sections because every professor teaches, that's what's wild about law school too, is that the professors kind of like can pick what they emphasize and what they spend more time on. So it's not like a set, you have to spend two classes on this issue and three classes on this issue. Like, for example, our property professor, we learned about- adverse possession in the first semester. And some upper class that we were talking to once said that they learned it second semester when they were first years. So it's like very like, I feel like the professors can like, they have a lot of flexibility, I guess, in teaching. I don't know. I'm not a professor. I don't run that side. But just hearing what different people like spend more or less time on, I think is very interesting.
0: I feel like that would be helpful, but also not helpful. This is coming from, you know, a teacher's perspective. Because like, for teaching K-12, we try to make sure that like we're on pace with the same thing and we're teaching roughly the same concept all around the similar time frame, just because then when they move up to the next level, it's like, oh, we've already covered this. Like we know what has been done. Which I'm sure that like they still probably cover most of the same topics. But it is interesting that they can emphasize different ones a little bit more because I feel like it lets them like, you know, explore it if it's more of like a passion of theirs, where they're like, oh, this is like a really cool section of law. But I feel like as someone who's indecisive, that would make me really nervous because I'd be like, what if I fall behind? What if I am behind because I'm doing this emphasis more than this one?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think it's like you said, it allows them to explore what their academic interests are. But it is interesting because I just remember at one, I don't know, probably in the beginning of the semester, one of the info sessions or something where like you're telling us you're not necessarily learning, I don't know, fall semester class. You're not necessarily learning criminal law. You're learning criminal law according to your professor, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting.
0: Yeah, where it's like you are learning criminal law, but you might learn something a little bit different from how someone else learned criminal law.
1: Exactly. I feel like the general big things you're going to learn no matter who you have. But I think it's like the little nuances and stuff. If you have different professors, you might pick up different things. Now, mind you, I don't know if I remember anything from fall semester. I think it all just left. But in theory, yeah. Yeah. So fall semester
0: compared to spring, which one would you say was more difficult?
1: Well, I feel like they're difficult in different ways because I think fall semester difficult because you don't know what you're doing. Like You literally like, it'll be like a relatively short case and it will take you forever. But then I think the problem with spring semester is, I th- at least for me, I think I got burned out faster because I had already used – I think I mentioned this in some other episode where like, I already used part of my battery in fall semester. And the thing is with spring semester, too, is that you're job hunting at the same time. Mm-hmm. And if anybody has applied for a job, like that alone feels like a full-time job. So I think it definitely got better once I got my internship. Mm -hmm. because then it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about what I'm doing for the summer. I can focus on school.
0: Yeah. So in terms of spring semester, I know that you also talked a little bit about the write-on. So do you want to explain what that write-on is and like kind of what happened with that to people who are listening?
1: Yeah. So the thing is with write-on is you finish spring semester, you have your final exams And then for us, they ended on Friday. And so then that Sunday, they released the write-on packet in which they give you a case and you basically kind of have to write what they call a case comment, which is kind of like an analysis of the decision. But then to do that, you tend to have to read like a bunch of other cases that were cited in your case. And then you also have to read secondary sources. So you write this whole thing like in the two weeks after finals are over, which I think I've heard people say this and I tend to agree where the hardest part about it is more just getting yourself to do it. The assignment itself isn't that hard because you're not in school anymore. And for me, I hadn't started my internship yet. So like you technically have like a full work day for two weeks to do it. It's just more, I guess, disciplining yourself to sit down and do it because you're like, I just finished finals. I don't want to use my brain. So I did that. And then uh what happened is a couple weeks later you do interviews with the journals and then now we're at the point where we're just waiting for a call day which is kind of funny because it kind of just reminds me of like a sorority or something but basically call day is when they give you a call if you got on the journals they tell you which ones and you have to pick but that's not for a few weeks
0: so for call day do they tell you like all of the journals you potentially would have gotten asked to be on or is it like you get them like one at a time so you have to like Pick right then and there, but you could be missing out on another opportunity.
1: So I was a little confused about this at first, but my understanding is that they just call you and be like, You got on XYZ. Which one do you want? Mm -hmm. Could also tell you in like three weeks when it actually happens. But I think that's how that's because people were asking about that. So I think that's how it goes. Okay. But it's like, I don't know. They tell you at least that you have to like answer your phone or else you forfeit your spot type of situation.
0: So is it like, have they given you a specific day or is it just like...
1: Yeah, they give you a day and a time range. But it's kind of good to know that because I'm the type of person where I don't answer the phone if you're not in my contacts. So it is good. That's definitely true.
0: I feel like that's also helpful because then it's like you can let your job know and be like, hey, on this day, I may or may not be getting a call from right on. And so if I have a phone call, I need to take it.
1: Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And I think on that topic... So, I knew it was, like, the two weeks after, but I feel like I didn't really know the exact time frame until the middle of the semester, which also the time frame for write-on might change depending on where you go, but I think it's generally held after finals, but I would not suggest doing what I did and book a vacation in the middle of it because that is also hard to, like, go on a little vacation and then come back and be like, I have to write what? (laughs) I feel that. Because... There was an info session for write on and one of the upper class like people they were like, "Yeah, so if you're doing write on when finals end, don't act as if the semester is en- ended, the semester ends when write on's over. That's how you should think about it, but I was at that point i had already booked the getaway cabin. I was like, Well, too late, I'm not canceling that,
0: yeah, like I'm gonna go on my vacation, and I'm gonna enjoy it exactly,
1: so that's what I did, but and in hindsight is like. Maybe maybe book that for after write-on's over.
0: So for write-on, is it like, do you have that opportunity every single year? Or is it only the first year that you have that opportunity to do the write-on?
1: I don't know. I think it's mostly 1Ls who do it. It's a little confusing because it's open. I thought the packet set is open for other things. But that could depend because there are some students who are like evening students who become eligible a little later Mm. and then there's also accelerated students so i think that could be with the ranges but i think most people do it after their first year okay
0: and then for right on then are you on that like journal for however many years or is it like just one year
1: yeah you're on it i mean i guess you could technically drop out but you're essentially um once you get picked you're on it through the rest of the two and three l
0: that's kind of nice. I feel like that's also a really nice thing to put on like your resume, you know?
1: Yeah, I've heard it looks very good. It's also nice that you don't have to like rewrite on. <laughs> that's true. And then it's also good
0: because it gives you like some more experience too. Mm-hmm.
1: And for what I gather too, is like it gives you a good like opportunity to make friends and stuff with people in your journal. So that's nice. So in the spring semester versus
0: the small small semester. In the spring semester versus the, s- the fall semester, did you find that your study methods changed? And if so, how?
1: I don't really think I changed them that much, mainly because I got good grades in the fall. And I was like, well, if this worked. Let's just do it again. Like why switch things up? I think one thing I was better about is updating my outline throughout the semester because during the fall semester basically what happens is you take notes from each class and then you put them into an outline so an outline is essentially a study guide that you make yourself of everything you've learned that semester and I think in fall semester is a little hard for me to keep up with that on the regular which meant I was spending fewer sessions but longer amounts of time on it Mm -hmm. where in spring semester I tried to do every week or every other week for a class. And then that way, when it came to reading period, it was mostly editing it rather than still typing it out. Mm -hmm. But I think that's really the only thing I changed. I did use flashcards to just learn the law. And then as I think almost every person in law school will tell you, practice questions are usually the best way to go.
0: So for practice questions, do they supply you with practice questions or do you have to make your own?
1: Yeah, it depends on the professor. Um, Some of them will give you their old essay questions that they've retired. And then some of them, you just find them from like supplement books and stuff like that. But those are typically the best way to do it because I feel like, you know, when I'm learning my flashcards or something, it's like, okay, good. I know what it is. But then you have like to do it on the essay. You have to be able to like identify it from a little story, a hypo, they call them So it's also good to be practicing the application of them because just knowing them might not be enough.
0: Yeah. Also, in terms of your expectations for law school versus reality, how did those two compare?
1: I think in terms of like academically challenging, I think most people, whether you go have been to law school or not, most people kind of have the idea of the academic challenge of it. So I think that kind of lived up to expectations. I think one thing that I thought was interesting was the process of making friends and things like that. Because I think especially after like having graduated and been out for a little, it's like I hadn't been in that environment where like, everyone's trying to make friends at once. And I feel like I also didn't go to residential undergrad, so... There That wasn't really an experience there. So it was just so interesting just being like with so many new people at once. I think also coming out of quarantine pandemic life where I saw maybe what, like five people to suddenly being in a room with like a 100 people. Kind of intimidating.
0: Yeah, it's just it's a lot more contact with people. And I feel like that's always a little bit daunting, especially when it's like, you know, you have to try to find a group of friends out of the 100 people that are in your class. Like okay, how are you going to do that? Like, do you just like pick a random group at first and you're like, you? Or is it like you go around and like find different groups and bebop around until you find the one you like? I don't know.
1: I feel like that would definitely be a challenge. Yeah, I think it definitely depends on the person. I think some people like picked a group and then like as you got to know people, like people would just like start intermingling socializing among some people just kind of stuck to their own things um i think a lot of it has to do with your own individual personality but i think also with that is as an introvert that is a lot of work making friends when you know nobody and like i said before i think coming out of the pandemic where my introvert self was thriving with like the minimal contacts so i think like part of the reason i was like so tired is like you're academically learning all these new things and how to read cases and brief cases but you're also at the same time like I need to make friends before it's too late
0: yeah I feel like you're working academically but also socially frequently and I feel like that would be really difficult because it's like you feel like you never really get a true break
1: yeah so you know it worked out in the end I think also for anybody listening like you don't need a huge friend group necessarily i think it's like just find someone that you can vibe with and like just have a good time because you're already in such like a high stress situation and a lot of things going on that you don't want to add to that did you see a bee could you tell i couldn't see the bee but based on your face yes
0: <laughs> for those listening i don't like bees at all they are like my biggest fear Like, skydiving? Not worried. Heights? Totally fine. Bees? I'll run away.
1: See, I don't like bees either, but I'm not going skydiving.
0: I would rather go skydiving than be in a room with a bee.
1: Okay, so you'd rather go skydiving than, say, I don't know, work in an apiary for a day? Yes. Okay. My fear about that is what if a bee gets in your, like, bee suit? See, that's why I'm like, I could
0: never. I could never. It would be horrible. I don't know. I just think I would not like to work around bees. I used to think when I was younger that I was going to have absolutely no flowers and no plants when I grew up because I did not want bees around, which I have now come to terms with the fact that I do want flowers and plants. And I will tolerate the bees for said flowers and plants. Yeah. All right. Do you have any other closing remarks, things that you'd like to talk about? For the spring semester or just overall?
1: Yeah, I think people who are going into law school hear a lot about study groups. You don't necessarily need one. I didn't really have one that was like established for the whole time. I did do review with one person. Um, We did it once in the fall semester, but for the spring semester, we did it with almost one exam. So I feel like as long as you find one other person to talk with before finals, and we did the thing where we studied on our own first and then talked because otherwise you don't know what you know. And I think it is good because then that person might bring something up and you say, oh, I didn't really know that. Let me write that down. So, yeah, you don't need a huge group. If you want to, great. But I didn't and I turned out fine. Things went well.
0: I feel like that could also be helpful because if you have less people, it's like you're more likely to stay focused. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like when I get together with like a big group of my friends, I'm like, the focus is less present.
1: Yeah, I think that's also important. Like if you're making a study group is to be clear about your intentions. Like, is this a quote study group, but really it's an opportunity to socialize with people, which is fine. But like, I feel like everyone in the group should be on the same page. Or do you want to actually get some work done? Definitely. Um, the other thing is like we had our oral arguments, which, you know, we were given kind of like a situation and we had to do oral arguments for it. I was not looking forward to them because I thought they were going to be terrifying and scary, but they're not as bad as you think because they're at least the way ours were run is that they were on the same topic that our the memo we wrote is on. So you spend a lot of time with the issue. So they're not as bad. Also my professor was great, so that could be part of it. Like maybe if you have like a more intimidating professor or something it might stress you out, but that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be and I think another trap, I feel like I'm going on like a five minute monologue, but another trap that I fell into was a good number of people got their internships before I did. And that added to the job search stress. And I feel like just like it's easier said than done, definitely. But I feel like try not to let that bother you as much, because as long as you're sending applications out, you'll... I feel like more likely than not, you'll find something as long as you're making a good faith effort of sending applications out. And I feel like the stress of like, oh, like all these people are getting internships and I don't have one is just like, it stressed me out more than I needed. Yeah. but also when I was in that, I was like, if someone told me that I'd be like, you're ridiculous. Like, how am I not going to be stressed about that? So I understand if in the moment you can't really do much about it, but I don't think it's worth it because I think it stressed me out a lot more. Than I needed to be at the time.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good lesson for a lot of different things in life is like, don't necessarily compare yourself to where other people are. It's not a race. You'll get there when you're ready.
1: Yeah. And I think the thing is, too, is like, I'm really happy with the place I ended up. And yeah, I got like some rejections along the way. But like, just because you get rejected from some jobs or like not picked doesn't mean there's not a good place. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like was my fear where I was like, and nobody wants me. But, like, at least where we are, there's a pretty good, like, I think there's a pretty good market for legal interns. So I was like, I'm fine. I was fine.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Or do you think we covered most of it?
1: I feel like I touched on it before. But literally, just don't let other people psych you out. Because I did. And I did fine. Like you hear people talking or like people be like, oh, I know what this means. And they'll explain it. And it's like, great, maybe they do. Or like you were saying, like, you'll hear people's cold call responses in classes. Like, oh, they did really well. They must be like smarter than me. I did fine. And I thought I was doing terribly because I would listen to what other people were saying and be like, they phrased it better or they know more. So just keep your head down, put your blinders on and do your studying. That's really the best thing you can do.
0: I think that's a good way to think about it, too, because it's like, If you are constantly worried about what other people are saying, how are you going to focus on what you're saying or what you're doing? Don't pay attention to them. It's about you.
1: Yeah. And I think with law school, the goal at the end is obviously to graduate. But other than that, it's to pass the bar. So like your grades or your class rank or whatever literally don't matter if you can't pass the bar. So like just keep your eye on the long term. And so it's like if you get a bad grade or if you get a really good grade, Technically, the really good grades don't mean much if you can't pass the bar.
0: That's true. That is true. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Our next book club is going to be All My Rage by Saba Tahir, and that's dropping on July 4th.
1: We hope you enjoyed our discussion on my 1L year. I am not an expert. Do your own research. Any other disclaimer of, like, I need to put here about, like, This is just my experience, not a reflection of my school or my summer internship or anything else that needs to be here is going to be here. This is just kind of entertainment, informational purposes, but like, again, not an expert. So go do your own thing. But um, if you have any thoughts on the episode, please feel free to contact us through our email or Instagram. And don't forget to review Zalina's podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.